Hey, what is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation. It is Super Bowl week. Unfortunately, it is not a redo of last year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, but we are going to preview that game for you today, as well as look into what is going on with your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Both of the coordinators are back. Tom Brady made some interesting comments on his latest podcast and has a new quarterback option entered the chat. All that and more on today's show. I am the Downey half of this dynamic duel. I am Trey Downey. You can follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. And he, he is the one, the only, Len Martez. You can follow him on Twitter at Lmart810. You pumped up for the big game this weekend? Speaking of Twitter, uh, I want to go back to like week six, week seven in the NFL. You owe me a Twitter apology when I told you the Cardinals were fagazing and you gave me the get out of here. Told you over and over and over and over. I gave you a chance to apologize and you still yet to apologize. So you know what? With all that's going on, with all the storylines. This is where we're going. That's right. This is where I'm going. So here's your opportunity. Go ahead. Apologize. Acknowledge me. Are you going to apologize for saying the Patriots were the favorites in the AFC? No, 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 no. I didn't blast you. You blast me. When I told you to go for Gazy, get out of here. You gave me every argument. Try to throw numbers at me. Blah, 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 blah. The Bucks didn't do this last year. The Bucks didn't do that last year. Blah, 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 blah. And you know what? I was right. You're in some kind of mood today. Yeah, I was wrong about the Arizona Cardinals, but we were both wrong about no, 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 uh, no, no, our no, 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 no. I didn't come at you the way you came at me. Okay, when I told you they were fugazi, you argued back and forth. Like you were in Arizona as opposed to Carolina. But I was right. And you were wrong. Trade down. <laughs> Acknowledge me. We're going to talk a little bit of Arizona Cardinals today on, on the pod. Uh, interestingly enough. But first. <laughs> but first. Acknowledge me. I want to get to what I said to kick off. The fact that both coordinators of your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich, are going to be back in Tampa for another run at it in 2022 slash 2023. After the Jacksonville Jaguars, they end up hiring Doug Peterson as their head coach. They do take someone off of the Buck staff to be their defensive coordinator, but Leftwich and Bowles are still in place. Uh, Minnesota looks like they're going to hire Rams offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell. Miami hires Mike McDaniel from uh, the San Francisco 49ers, their offensive coordinator and former Buccaneers head coach. Somehow, Lovey eh. Smith ends eh. up with another head coaching job. Love, love. What up, Lovey? In Houston. Uh, I have no idea how that happened. I mean, if you want to hire Josh McCown, just hire Josh McCown. It looks like you're hiring another coach that you're going to go one and done with there. But the real question is, Lynn, now that we are completely through the coaching carousel, how surprised are you 
that both Leftwich and Bowles are still here in Tampa Bay. Not so much Bowles. I'm surprised that Byron didn't get a job. And <laughs> we can go over and over in regards to the, the, the issue that Brian Flores is, is champion right now when it comes to minority hiring in the NFL as far as head coaches are concerned. Here's the thing. And when you bring up Josh McCown, and, and Josh McCown is not the only guy. He unfortunately is, is the guy that's going to be brought up. You look at Doug Peterson, who's getting another shot at, at being the head coach. God bless Doug Peterson. Super Bowl winning head coach. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget that. Okay. But here's the thing when it comes to Doug Peterson. He was tied to Andy Reid. Just like Eric Bieniemy. 100%. The same role. And when I say role, I don't mean R-O-L-L. I mean R-O-L-E. They had the same job. Everything that Peterson did, the enemy is doing. And you can tell me in regards to, well, he didn't interview well and this, that. Listen, when it comes to Sundays, when it comes to preparation during the week, (laughs) there is no interview. It's about how you relate to your football players on your football team and how you prepare your team to play on Sundays. That's the thing. So at some point, you got to start asking why Biennemi has not gotten a shot to be a head coach while we continue to give other guys shots at being a head coach. And God bless Lovey Smith. But you know why Lovey got that job. Lovey is that, is that guy for 2022 and you know what 365 days from now while we sit here and do another podcast guess what we're going to be talking about an opening in Houston or a new head coach which is kind of like if I was a Texans fan I'd be asking what the hell is my front office and owner doing because you're not supposed to go back to back and hire one-and-done guys. It's not supposed to happen. Where's the stability? I mean, you look at teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I can sit there and count them. No, Kyle Tomlin. Goodbye, done. That's three. If you're the Texans, you're talking about going through three in the last three years. And it's... Think, think about that. Think about that. I am. The Texans, it's... the Texans are going to have their third head coach in the last three years while there's a franchise in Pittsburgh that has had three in the last 40 years. It's mind-boggling. And we had this same, not necessarily we, but everyone had this same conversation last year when they ultimately hired David Culley. And there were all these reports out that they want Josh McCown, but they think that they might get ridiculed because McCown doesn't have any coaching experience whatsoever. If you want to hire McCown so badly, just hire him. Let him fail if he's going to fail because hiring these one-year guys isn't going to help you that much. And respect to Lovey. What he did in Chicago was great. When he came back here in Tampa Bay, 
it was pretty clear to me that the defense and his ways of coaching were a little bit outdated in terms of the NFL. I will give Houston props and I will give Lovey props for keeping Pep Hamilton on as their offensive coordinator, but I also want to qua- want to try and question there a little bit if you believe so much in Pep Hamilton and him developing Davis Mills at quarterback, why not give a guy like that a chance to be the head coach of your football team instead of going towards another retread in Lovey Smith? Uh, the McCown thing is mind-boggling to me. It, give him a shot or whatever. Uh, apparently Brian Flores was in on that job as well. And he claims that the only reason he didn't get it or his lawyers (laughs) claim that the only reason he didn't get it is because of the, is because of the lawsuit. I mean, and it's not just Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles and Eric B You've got another former Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach, the defensive coordinator for, for a team that's about to play in the Super Bowl, Raheem Morris with the Los Angeles Rams, who I have always been very high on. And other than the end of last season in Atlanta, where he was their interim head coach when Dan Quinn was let go, he has not gotten another chance at a head coaching job in the NFL. And I believe this offseason, he only had one interview, and that was with Minnesota. So it is not just, there's a huge problem there. And we went in to this coaching carousel, kind of pegging, uh, Leftwich and Bowles and Bienemy as maybe the top three candidates out there. At the past like three seasons, we've kind of named Bienemy as the number one candidate. And look at the difference between Bienemy and Peterson. Bienemy won a Super Bowl as their offensive coordinator. Yes, Peterson had success in Philadelphia and won a Super Bowl there as their head coach, but before he got that job, he did not have the same success as the offensive coordinator as Eric Bienemy. And he got a shot. Uh, exactly. And he got a shot. So there is there is definitely an issue here. I I don't know why these guys aren't getting jobs. The only thing I'll say about the left witch situation is that appears to be a situation of the reports were out there that they wanted left witch. Left witch told them that he did not want to work with Trent Balky, their current general manager. Good for him. The a hundred percent. The Jags owner, Shad Khan, said, no, we're going to keep Trent Baalke. And they interviewed Peterson, and Peterson said that he that he would deal with Baalke, that he would work with Baalke, and that seemed to be the deciding factor between those two. Good. And good. Here's the good. thing. Here's the thing when it comes to something like that. Byron Leftwich obviously had an issue with working alongside with Trent Baalke regards to being his general manager. Byron's been around a long time. He's been around long enough to know you have to jive with that guy that is basically giving you the ingredients to be a successful football team. Mm -hmm. You have to jive with that guy. And because of that, if he didn't, you know what he avoided? Setting himself up for failure. And as it is right now, you know what he also didn't do? He didn't set himself up for a one and done, not just one and done one year. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about one opportunity and being done because you mentioned Raheem Morris and guess what? He's still waiting for that second shot. Okay. And because of that, you know what Byron did? He avoided being the one and done guy in regards to having a couple of years in Jacksonville working with a guy that he doesn't drive with, but yet he's the guy that's giving him the ingredients to build a successful football team 
and yet they don't click. We just saw the issue in Miami with Flores and Greer. And maybe everything's not out when it comes to that situation in Miami, but that led to Brian Flores, Flores to getting fired. And Brian Flores may just actually have gotten his one shot with the Miami Dolphins. That he may be done based off of the lawsuit yeah. and everything else going on. So again, Byron Leftwich, in my eyes, did the right thing when it comes to if he didn't like the fact that Trent Bulky was going to be his general manager, you know what? I'm good. I'm cool. I'm cool in Tampa Bay being the offensive coordinator to a guy I jive with when it comes to Bruce Aarons, who he knows has his back. And guess what? Who may not be coaching much longer. And you know who would be first in line for that job in Tampa Bay? Byron Leftwich. 100%. And a couple of years ago, when both of these guys got these jobs and we were kind of debating who might be the heir apparent i think both of us kind of went with bowls a little bit because of his experience now i think if bruce is done after next year i think byron uh is going to be the one that ends up getting the head coaching job lynn i will ask you this now that we are completely done with uh the head coaching carousel other than minnesota officially uh going with their guy because the rams are still in the super bowl is there a hire that you particularly like the best out of the ones that were made? Yeah, I think the Dolphins did well. And 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 listen, I agree. You can talk about whether or not Flores deserved to lose his job, and and based off how that team played for him, there's a lot of things that went on in, in Miami that unfortunately, whether it be Kyle Van Noy, whether it be Kenny Stills, there's there was an issue inside that locker room with some of the veterans that were there. And, and the fact that Van Oy actually played just one year there kind of makes me wonder about that, especially the fact that Flores knew Van Noy from being in New England together, on that defense together. And then all of a sudden, a year later, Van, Van Noy gets cut. Again, there's stuff that may have not came out completely when it comes to that locker room. And you can talk about whether or not Flores deserved to lose his job or not. But if you're going to fire someone, you better hire someone that gives you the potential to be better than way, where you were when you fired that other coach. And I think the Dolphins did that. And I'll tell you why. One of the things I have knocked the Dolphins for the last couple of years, whether it be even prior to getting uh, Jalen Waddle. And even prior to drafting Tua Tagovailoa, the stale offense, stale, throw the ball down the field, and and even with adding Tua, said the same thing, throw the ball down the field. I bashed him about their running game, bashed him. Whether it be, whether it be Gaskins, I mean multiple running backs, and they tried them, they tried them, and tried them. Oh, I forgot. What's a guy? Jordan. Uh, I forgot his name. Anyway, they had uh, uh, Matt Breeder. They brought in yep. a bunch of guys in trying to a run former the guy football. who was in San Francisco. Yeah, trying to run the football. And unfortunately, they were not successful. And don't even get me started about the offensive line, because they put a lot, a lot in regards to drafting number one picks, number two picks to the offensive line, and they haven't gotten that straight. You're hoping that McDaniel can get that straight. 
based off his pedigree in San Francisco, and as I've told you multiple times on this podcast, you and I can go behind that offensive line in, in the San Francisco and get 100 yards. You saw how they used Debo Samuel, how they've been able to plug in Elijah Mitchell and get him to run for 100 yards. A guy who was a late pick in the draft plugged him in. When he got hurt, they put him to Wilson. They put multiple guys have been able to run behind that offensive line and that scheme. Once again, you're hoping that McDaniel's able to bring that to Miami because that's what's been lacking in Miami, a consistent running game and getting the ball down the field. Kyle Shanahan's offense is my favorite in the NFL. The zone running scheme, which is a riff off of what his dad was known for in his trips or his coaching jobs in Washington and in Denver. And in Denver. Super Bowl because of that. Yeah, the zone running scheme and the fact that Shanahan uses more play action passing than anyone in the NFL. And in today's NFL, play action is what works heavy play action and even teams that even if you look into the analytics you don't even have to run the ball particularly well for play action to work but when you have a running game that works as well as Shanahan's has in San Francisco the play action works even better so that coaching tree is going to be something that I'm watching and you want a you want a coach that you can pair with a young quarterback and you have that into a tag of Iowa. And you are going to see now with a guy who is innovative offensively and has had some success with a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, we are going to see what Tua is made of. And that's why I keep saying with these, with these head coaching jobs, I think that we are more and more seeing more offensive coaches. These defensive coaches are getting jobs in different situations. We saw Dennis Allen getting promoted in New Orleans. But if you have a young quarterback, you want to pair them with a great offensive-minded head coach. Because in my opinion, even if you bring in you know, a guy who's just going to oversee things as a head coach and you hire a great offensive coordinator, then you're going to end up in a situation where your offensive coordinator gets another job because he does a great job with your quarterback. I love the hire in Miami. Uh, I'm not so sure about the Giants roster, but I do think Brian Dable is going to be a good head coach in the NFL, and I'm interested to see what Kevin O'Connell does in Minnesota. Those are just some of the some of the jobs that I liked the uh, the hire of this year. Now, Lynn, let's move on as the. As the world turns, as the sand flows through the hourglass, another chapter in the Tom Brady saga. No, don't put no weight into that, dude. Put no weight in. Don't put any weight into that. He says this week on his Let's Go podcast Mm -hmm. slash radio show with Mm -hmm. Jim Gray that Mm -hmm. he's not closing the door Mm -hmm. on a possible return. You know who closed that door? You know who closed that door? Giselle closed that door. He said never say yeah. never but ask, and you this, ask is led, this is this is led yeah, to okay. and he said that part of that is because he doesn't know how he's going to feel in six months come the start of the season it doesn't matter how he feels you know who you know who's going to allow him to play football game if she's tired of him being around the crib 
Giselle. But see, here's the thing that everyone doesn't think about. Tom's got so many things that will keep him busy. Guess where he won't be? Home, plucking his wife's nerves. So he's not coming back. I wasn't right about him retiring. So I got another shot here. He ain't coming back. If you're the Bucks, how do you play this though? Do you put him on the reserve retired list or do you release him to where there's a possibility he could just go anywhere? To me, I don't think if you're the Bucks, you can afford to play the waiting game and be like, oh, you know, fudge around with what you're doing at quarterback and have in the back of your mind, maybe Tom will come back. But I still am not releasing him to where he could walk for nothing. I'm putting him on the reserve okay. slash retired list. Go ahead, list. do that. For one, I mean, come on, dude. It's not like they're having to pay him or anything. I, I, I don't see any upside into releasing him. So there's so much weight put into that conversation that he had with Jim Gray. You mentioned it the Let's Go podcast. He was asked a question. He answered, never say never. Whoop, the dad gone do. The dude is done. Again, it's, two, it's been two weeks. Give him time to where he's away from the game doing other stuff, spending time with his family. Then tell me, after doing that, that he's coming back. Or he says, you know what, never say never. <laughs> it's only been a couple of weeks. The fact that he did a podcast and- Less than a week after he officially retired. Again, that's why this comes out. If you stuck a mic in front of anyone that retired like he did, that had the career that he had, he'd be contemplating, well, maybe, maybe I'm not done. Cause it's still fresh. He still has 2021, 20, 2021 season on him. He still has that. That's why you come out a week after or less than a week after announcing your retirement on Instagram. And the fact that you say, well, you know, never say never. And dude, ask this dude six months from now when he spent time with his, his, family, his kids, most importantly, and he's doing other things that are not football related. Then if he says, you know what, kind of bored, then I'll, I'll put some weight into that. But the fact that this conversation took place seven days after he retired, it's not coming back, dude. He ain't coming back. I don't know. I, I sounds to me like a guy who's already questioning with his decision. Me. Bad English and all. He ain't coming back. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think he's coming back Thank either. You. Uh, but we're going to talk more Instagram here. And I said we're going to talk. <laughs> oh, lack of. <laughs> we're going to talk Arizona Cardinals. Let's talk Arizona Cardinals. Lack of Instagram. Unfollow. After the Pro Bowl this weekend, Kyler Murray scrubbed all references to the Arizona Cardinals from his Instagram page. And this put social media into a storm that Kyler Murray wants out of Arizona. Good choice Lynn, of words, by the way, when you say scrub, because you know what he did? Played like one in that playoff game. <laughs> like a scrub. Let's talk about 
Kyler Murray, and there are a lot of people on on social media uh, that are now trying to connect the dots that Kyler Murray could possibly be the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come (laughs) the start of the 2022 season. Is this even an option to me? Like, I think people are reading too much into it, one. And two, you want to talk about the haul that it would take to get some of these other quarterbacks? Mm Mm-hmm. Think about what Arizona would ask for to get Kyler Murray. Well, not only that, who's Cliff Kingsbury going to be coaching if if Kyler Murray ends up leaving Arizona? Because that was the thing, right? Kingsbury uh, Kingsbury takes a job based off of what? The fact that they have this guy at quarterback. Well, he drafts him after he gets the job, yeah, and gives up Josh year, Rosen, a, who they just drafted. After, a year after drafting a guy ninth overall in the draft before the Bills even took Josh Allen. But that's yep. a whole other subject. The fact, again, is that you have Cliff, who is in the NFL specifically for coaching and designing his offense around that quarterback. So if all of a sudden Arizona decides, oh my gosh, you know, he he unfollows. Oh my gosh. Well are we going are we going to you know extend this guy or, or what's what's going on? All those questions are attached to the fact that who the heck is going to be playing quarterback for them that is going to run Kingsbury's offense. That's the question. That's what you have to ask. Everyone says, you know, well, hey, you know what? I, I, I want I want another quarterback or uh, let's fire this coach. And my first response always is, well, who are you replacing him with? Always. Oh, I want to fire that coach. Well, okay. Okay, we can fire that coach. Who, who are you replacing him with? Oh, anybody. Eh. It's not how it works. Just like I said about the fact that Flores got fired in Miami and you're hoping that you hire a guy that's going to get you better than the guy you fired. That's how it works when you fire a coach. That's how it works when you get rid of a franchise quarterback. And I can knock Kyler Murray as much as I want, but the fact is, in Arizona's eyes, he's their franchise quarterback. And if he were to, if he were to go somewhere else, guess what he would be? That franchise's franchise quarterback. So again, if you say to me, oh, well, you know, Arizona's ready to get rid of Kyler Murray. Okay, well, who the heck is going to be playing quarterback for him if it's not going to be Kyler Murray? Because they spent not one, but two first-round picks trying to find the right guy, and all of a sudden you're going to get rid of the right guy. I just thought of an intriguing scenario. If you're both teams, what do you think of uh, a Kyler Murray for Baker Mayfield swap? Kyler Murray can't can't throw in Arizona's <laughs> balmy weather. <laughs> you want him throwing in their dome. You want you want him throwing in the <laughs> off Lake Erie. You just got you really just got me thinking to be pissed off. You just got me thinking of guys that would fit in Cliff's offense, and Baker Mayfield is one that comes to mind. No, that's fine. That's, that's all nice and cool. That, that's the connection. I get it. I get. It. But it doesn't work out for both teams. And 
I mean, Baker's another issue, dude. <laughs> Baker's another issue. <laughs> I mean, let's let's not let's not forget that Baker Mayfield played this past entire. I think when people are criticizing Baker Mayfield, they're I'm forgetting sorry. that the guy had a torn up shoulder. No pretty doubt. much this entire season. No doubt. But I watched enough games to watch him, man. And and I'm like, dude, you're late. He's late on throws, dude. He's late on throws, and that's he's not the only one. There's a lot of starting quarterbacks in this league. But the thing about Baker is, who ironically was the number one pick in that draft we mentioned with Mm -hmm. Josh Rosen, with Josh Allen, okay, with Lamar Jackson later in the the draft, that first round. But the thing about Baker and a lot of starting quarterbacks in the NFL that I watched that are unsuccessful, Kyler Murray falls in this category too. They're late. Dude, they are late with their throws. And when you're one year in, two years in, okay, you kind of get the, the learning curve when it comes to college and to the NFL. When you start going three, four, five years in, you can't be late. Okay, we, I watched Jalen Hurts do the same thing in that playoff game against the Bucs. Yep. All right? He's got a he's got a wide receiver wide open in the end zone. Late. Mike Edwards, pick, interception, right? Why? Because he's late. Baker, I watched the same thing, dude. Same thing, late with throws, man. You can't be like that in the NFL. It's, and that window closes quick, <laughs> quick. So, I mean, we can talk about Baker have playing with that injury, and you're right, he did. He played with that injury, and, and you know, he, he gets a pass somewhat for that. But, and I'm tapping my head here on this podcast, and I'm saying you got to be smarter, and you got to play smarter. You got to be quicker with your, with your reads in regards to getting the ball out to, to guys who are open in this league because that, that window closes quick. One of the cool things about Super Bowl week is – that we learn who wins the awards in the NFL, the NFL honors on Thursday night, as well as we find out who is going to be the Hall of Fame induction class for that coming year. You're now, jumping you off going... the quarterback situation already when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, are I mean, we cut. Are there any options that we didn't uh, cover last week that you uh, want to get into? I'm just I saying. Thought, I thought I mean, we pretty we covered it pretty well last week. I'm just saying, you know. Mike Evans is catching passes from Kyler Murray, and all of a sudden you want to put Kyler Murray in the Bucks uniform. You just, I don't know. I just had to, I just had to bring it up. As is it, is it another possibility? I don't think that it's a possibility. Kyler Murray has impressed me so far in the NFL, but I don't think he necessarily fits in the Bucks offense. So, especially with the haul you'd have to give Arizona to get him, I don't think it's a realistic option whatsoever. There you go. See, that's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. You left it open. Now you closed it. There I you closed go. It. You All closed right. It. So now NFL honors Thursday night, the Hall so of Fame. In so the- when he's traded to the Bucks, we can say, you said no. And here he is wearing a Bucks uniform. I know the reason why I say that is because 24 months ago, dude, did yeah. we think, did we think <laughs> the greatest of all time was going to end his career in Tampa Bay? There's always a possibility. But I like the fact... I, Trey Downey, I like the fact that you said unrealistic and you closed the window because usually, you know, you'd be cracking windows, man. You'd be leaving 
windows open and air comes through and all you know bugs and come and come inside the house and everything and Wind, window windows, windows are still way open for matt ryan and gardner Minshew. um but let's talk about Minshew. nfl honors and the hall of fame class of 2022 as you're listening to this probably you will probably already know who wins those NFL awards and who is going to be in the Hall of Fame induction class. But there is a Buccaneers connection to two different things. We've talked a lot about Tom Brady. Tom Brady, Lynn, does he win the NFL MVP or is that Aaron Rodgers? It's Aaron Rodgers. And it's not a knock on Tom because, I mean, I already said it last week. People talk about, oh, you know, he, he should have retired when, uh, when he was at the top of his game. <laughs> 5,300 yards for a season, top of his game. 43 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, top of his game. 102 quarterback rating, top of his game. At 44 years old, top of his game. Top of his game doesn't necessarily mean winning a Super Bowl. It means how that dude was playing when he retired. Top of his game. Mind you, six years older than one of the coaches in the Super Bowl this year, eight years older than another one of them, okay? Those guys, those two guys, McVay, Zach Taylor, both younger, younger than Tom Brady. But I think Aaron Rodgers is going to win the MVP based off of more team success and the fact that I mean, I, I, as much as I think Tom had a great year, I think Tom, I think Aaron was was probably more solid throughout. There were a few games Tom kind of you know, kind of hit the skids a little bit. The Saints game, the Washington, and, and then Washington game. I was going there next. Those were two games that hit the he hit the skids a little bit. And when I say Saints both game, Saints game, I was getting ready to say when I say Saints game. I don't just mean the shutout, nine or nothing. I also mean the game in New Orleans that they lost to <laughs> to a third-string quarterback. <laughs> I think it's going to be a very close vote, and I could definitely see uh, Tom Brady winning the award. But we got to remember, these are voted on at the end of the regular season. Mm -hmm. The playoffs have no implication mm -hmm. on these awards. Another thing to watch as far as awards go, Mike Evans, once again, is the Buccaneers nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. It's hard to debate who's going to win that award, but Mike has done so many great things in the Tampa Bay community. He would definitely be a deserving winner You love yourself some Mike award. Evans, man. I do. Now let's talk about another guy that I... That I no, that's that okay. I when it comes to the Walter Payton Award, and, and listen, been here since 2016, so I know what Mike does throughout the community. But there are 30-plus of those guys that do it. 31 I, others, yeah. When I say 30-plus, I mean the 31 other nominees, yeah. but also other guys inside each locker room, man. There's, mm -hmm. there's multiple guys that, in each locker room that, that go to the extent – for instance – when you when you're a nominee off of your football team, that says a lot about you to just win the nominee from your own team. Yep. Because there are plenty of guys on each team that could be the team's nominee, if that makes any sense. But 
you love yourself some Mike Evans, and, and I understand why, especially when it comes to when it comes to the foundation. And and there's you know there's a reason why Mike is the nominee here in Tampa Bay, and, and the reason why again two years in a row. I was getting ready to say getting ready to say there's a reason why he's doing it again. All right, now let's talk about the other thing that I mentioned. The Pro Football Hall of Fame inductions will be announced. Speaking of guys that I love me some of, is Rondé finally going to get in, Lynn? <laughs> you, called, you called him the greatest buck of all time on Twitter. Um, I did. Uh, yeah, you did. Um, I'll let that one go. I, listen, it, at, at some point, you have, to, you have to ask yourself, if not now, then when? Like, the dude's not playing anymore. Okay, and, and, and the numbers that he put up, as, as great and as, as impressive as they are, they're not changing. Like, when you talk about what Wande did in this league, okay, he was ahead of his time. Think about what he would do now in this league, where the nickel is so important. And I know two decades ago and in leading into, you know, the Ots, when it comes to the 2000s and on between 2000 and 2010, I understand that the game was changing and I understand that the nickel back, I don't mean the group, I mean the actual cornerback was important. But think about it now. Think about how important it is now. It's a, it was a starting position then. It clearly is on every team a starting position. You look at teams when they announce their lineup defensively, guess what they have? They don't have two cornerbacks. They got three. They're announcing three cornerbacks. It's a starting position in the NFL. He was ahead of his time. Put that dude in the Hall of Fame already because he dominated that position. There's nothing more I can add to it. That is my argument every time is how he revolutionized that slot corner position. Other notable finalists, Patrick Willis, Reggie Wayne, Demarcus Ware, Zach Thomas, Devin Hester, Jared Allen, Andre Johnson. Uh, it will be a worthy class. And you, when we talked about who were the finalists uh, to begin with. Don't get me started. That 54, Zach That's Thomas right. belongs I got in. him up. Put them up, 5-4, put them up, put them up, 5-4 for the 305. And the one that I think really deserves it that a lot of people are going to debate is one Devin Hester. If you are the best ever at something, you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Talk and Hester him. was that at kick returner and punt returner. Talk to Ray Guy. Yep. Ray Guy, punter, but was the best one of all time. And guess where he is? In the Hall of Fame. Not only that, 2005. Super Bowl, I mentioned the 305. Yep. Guess what? Devin Hester. And it was, I think it was January 2006, but it was 2005 season. Mm -hmm. All right. Ironically enough, the first time two African American head coaches, right? You had your boy Lovey, who we mentioned earlier, and Tony yep. Dungy, right? For all the storylines that went on, think about that. Think about that. 17 years later, 17 years later, actually, uh, 16 years 16 later. 16 from the Super Bowl, yeah. 16 years later, the fact that we're sitting here now still discussing that issue. And it is an issue because 16 years later, 
<laughs> and before the hiring of Mike McDaniel and Lovey Smith, you had one African-American head coach. But back to Devin Hester. My point in bringing this up is the fact that Devin Hester in that Super Bowl in Miami, Colts, Bears, opening kickoff goes Hondo 100 from the end zone to the other end zone. Bam. Okay. That's, that's like the Heisman moment in my eyes, right? Hall of Fame moment. It was in Miami when he returned that touchdown against the Colts in the rain with my man, uh, Roger Nelson. You know who Roger Nelson is? From the who? No, dude. No. <laughs> That's Roger Daltrey. Oh, okay. <laughs> Roger Nelson is someone's real name. One of the greatest, greatest performers and musicians of all time. Prince. Thank you very much. I gave you a little something, something. Thank you. And you and you made up for it. Although you didn't say Roger Daltrey. <laughs> um, <laughs> Prince performing at halftime. And I've been at three Super Bowls. The greatest performance I ever saw. Uh, I just want to bring up something that you, something that you referenced that some people that are listening to this podcast might go, "Huh?" Too when you mentioned black head coaches getting hired and talking about Mike McDaniel. Uh, Mike McDaniel's grandparents were African American. Oh, his and dad is. His dad is black. Yeah. So a lot of people on social media are questioning Mike McDaniel's blackness, which is crazy <laughs> to me. But uh, honestly, till till I read the <laughs> till I read the story, I honestly I honestly did not know. So I'm just putting that out there for some of our listeners who might not know the uh the history of mike mcdaniel as if well you don't he definitely know, qualifies he's biracial head coach if you don't know by now because it's been a topic yeah you know, it's been a topic it's been what you know it's it's what stephen ross is certainly you know maybe not literally but he's definitely hey stephen ross is like hey yeah hey i hired i hired a minority hey Hey, all right, Stephen Ross. The heat ain't off you yet, bro. No, sir. Because um, you used to have uh, the whole $100,000 question to answer. And that is, did you really offer your former head coach money to lose football games? And if you did, I said it last week and I'll say it again. The Miami Dolphins will probably be looking for a new owner if that's the case. You can't go around and round and round with all the integrity conversations you about you have about whether it be with front offices, the way they run their front office, and with players. You can't run around and stick your chest out and go, we gotta protect the integrity of the game. And you can't hold everybody else to the standard, whether it be the front office or players or coaches, but you don't hold owners to that same standard. And, and Trey, I don't know about your lifetime, but in my lifetime, I mean, I, I remember when there was shaving of points in college basketball games, right? But this is 30, 40 years ago. If Stephen Ross did this, this is the worst thing that has happened in sports. 
to the integrity of sports, any sport. We now to talk about the, Olympics. I'm talking about the four major sports. Yes, I'm including hockey because I'm a hockey fan. And once again, when you talk about the four major sports in my lifetime, if Steven Ross wrote a check to Brian Flores and gave him money to tank football games, this is the worst thing that has happened to North American sports. The only thing that I super remember in my in my lifetime, it wasn't from a team perspective, but it was the whole Tim Donahue NBA referee situation. Uh, but yeah, I, I am 100% with you. And to be completely honest, I don't think he files the lawsuit if he took the money. But if Flores did take that money, there's a little bit of uh, implications there there as well. Okay, that's fine. Listen, yeah. when it comes to Flores, whether he took the money or not, the likelihood of get him getting a job, it's not very likely. 100%. Okay, so whether he took the money or not, he may never get another job in the NFL. But the other side is the owner that has yeah. given him the money. That's the thing. The I'm owner is out. He is out when it comes to the fact that if he actually did give Flores money, and Flores says, not figured, not literally, but figuratively, he has checks and receipts. So we'll see. We'll definitely see. It's definitely going to be an ongoing storyline, the biggest storyline of this offseason, in my opinion. But we are not to the offseason yet. Because we have Super Bowl 56 Sunday, 6.30 Eastern Time, SoFi Stadium for the second year in a row. A team is playing their, playing the Super Bowl in their home stadium after it never happening in the first 54 Super Bowls. The Los, the Los Angeles Rams and Matthew Stafford host Joe Burrow and the Cinderella Cincinnati Bengals. Lynn Martez, who's winning the football game and why? The only way the Bengals win this football game is if Joe Burrow gets rid of the football. The way I mentioned Tom Brady was supposed to get rid of the football when the Bucks played the Rams here at Raymond James. Banged up team, right? Banged up offensive line. Banged up when it came to the weapons. But I said, look, ball's got to come out quick. Use the screen game. Don't get into the second and longs, third and longs because that Rams defensive line is going to pin their ears back and get to the quarterback. I mentioned that about Brady. I'll say it again when it comes to the Super Bowl and it comes to Joe Burrow, a guy that got sacked 50 plus times in the regular season. By the way, it's the first time a quarterback that actually starts in a Super Bowl in a season, he got sacked 50 times. That's and got how, sacked nine times in the divisional round of the playoffs. And if you're, if you're, the Cincinnati Bengals, that's the game that you focus on when it comes to preparing for the Los Angeles Rams. What did we do in that game that we can avoid doing on Sunday? Because if you get into the same situations and the Titans, good defense, but they don't have the defensive line yep. that the Rams have. So again, if you're the Bengals, you have to avoid what you did in that game versus the Titans. Ball's got to come out quick out of Joe's hands. And I know he avoided sacks against Kansas City. There was at least two or three times 
He extended plays. He actually ran and got first downs. And he's smooth. He's got that. I understand everybody's all, you know, swooned about his swagger and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> swagger lasts only, only so long. You know what swagger ends up being sometimes? Knocked out. You know who else has swagger? Aaron Donald has swagger too. Yeah, no, that whole defensive line has swagger. Yeah. Bob Miller's got swagger too. He's yeah. got swagger when it comes to already winning an MVP in a Super Bowl and having yeah. that ring. Again, Joe Burrow's got to get the football out quick. Don't think in terms of trying to, you know, trying to buy extra time because you're going to end up on your back and your offensive line is not that good. And that's the reason why you got sacked 50 plus times. You ask me who's going to win. I say all that, and I'm going to rely on a guy that has a losing record. <laughs> Who has a losing record when it comes to quarterback play? And I know, oh, wins and losses is not the barometer when it comes to quarterbacks. I get it. I understand. But my eyes are the barometer when it comes to quarterbacks. And granted, he's had his playoff run. But let's not forget, last, well, two weeks ago, that NFC Championship game, that football team, the Los Angeles Rams, was down two scores against who? Jimmy Garoppolo. But I'm, Stafford, still, I'm still picking the Rams. Is Stafford a Hall of Famer if the Rams win? Everybody, like, we want to write that already. And I, I'm not knocking you for asking, but everybody wants to write that already. Ironically enough, I brought up the Niners game, which they were losing going to actually in the fourth quarter. And, and one dropped interception for us sitting here talking about the Niners playing it so far, having it a home game for them in Los Angeles. Because Lord knows when they played it so far in the NFC Championship game, there was a whole lot of Niners fans there. We're one dropped interception from having that conversation when it comes to the Bengals and Niners. Not only that, think about the game they did win at Raymond James. Four turnovers, four fumbles. Dude, it took them a Matt Gay last-second field goal. No, and I'm with you, but that wasn't on Stafford, though. Okay, that's fine. But all, all I'm saying is everybody wants to put him in the Hall of Fame for winning a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. His team nearly lost twice. The interception last week? was on him. That's I'm with you. Him. Yep. As much as I sit here and say the Rams are going to win on Sunday and win the Super Bowl, <laughs> I would not be shocked if the Bengals won. But, I'm, but just the fact that I mentioned all those things when it comes to the Rams' defensive line and the fact they're better, they're better than any line that the Bengals have seen this year. Because of that, I'm picking the Rams. But, but... Your boy better be tight with that football, dude. I'm with you. That's where that's where I'm going. I think more so than Joe getting the ball out quickly because I I think for the Bengals to have success, they're going to have to get some big plays. So I think the offensive line is going to have to hold up in spots and you're going to have to see one of those guys get open down the field. Uh, or you're going to have a situation where bad Matthew Stafford shows up and they force turnovers. That That's how the Bengals have success in my opinion i don't think that the bengals are going to win this game from playing a 
a dink and dunk style. I think that they're still going to have to find success down the football field. Okay. As Len violently shakes his head. And you want to know why? Because I, I totally disagree with that. And here's the thing. I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you it's going to be a, they're going to run 65 to 70 plays offensively. I'm not Mm -hmm. telling you it's going to be dink and dunk all game long. All I'm telling you is avoid the second and third and longs. And here's the thing. Uzama, their their tight end, who got hurt against the Chiefs, right? Threw off his knee brace. I love that at the the rally up in Cincy. You're all into into that that extravagant WWE stuff. Anyway. Says the guy who was saying acknowledge me 20 times at the beginning of this podcast. And still waiting for the acknowledge me, by the way. (laughs) Again, CJ Uzama, part of getting a football, all right, out quickly. Whether it's whether it's again flooding the middle of the football field, you want to, you want to, man, they'll take their shots. And Lord knows, Mike Evans had a successful day against Ramsey. So I'm not telling you that that T. Higgins a very similar player to Mike Evans. And I'm not and telling, Ramsey probably won't be on him. And I'm not telling you that that Burrow can't take his shots down the field. But I'm telling you, the majority of their offense has got to be Mixon and Samaji Pirine and C.J. Uzama when it comes to yards after the catch. And even, hey, look, if you want to tell me that the wide receivers are part of it, fine. Bubble screen their behinds off, man. That's the only way you're going to sl- slow down that defensive line. And I mentioned screen game and i mentioned uzama attack the rams where they're the weakest it ain't at the defensive line and it ain't at the secondary it's at the linebackers i'm with you it's at the linebackers so get get the tight end and get your running back in the offense and i'm not telling telling you anything zach taylor doesn't know but it's whether or not they actually do it because the last time i saw sean mcveigh in the super bowl he was supposed to be the offensive genius Dude scored three points because he was stuck on whatever he was stuck on against the Patriots. I think the Rams are going to win the win the football game. We agree. Yes, and you you explained why. I I just think that the Bengals offensive line can't hold up against the Rams uh, defensive line. I think that we could be in a situation where Aaron Donald is your Super Bowl MVP, even though they love quarterbacks uh, with that award. And it would be a great story if Matthew Stafford were to get it. I think the Bengals are just maybe a year ahead of schedule. I think that the Rams might have with the Buccaneers, the most talented roster in the entire NFL. I think the Rams win and I think they pull away in the second half. I don't think it's going to be a super close game. I'm going Rams 35, 17, Aaron Donald is your Super Bowl MVP. 31-23. That's this Sunday, but next week. 31-23. We will enter the offseason. Rams. But there is no offseason. 31-23. Rams. Maybe we need an offseason break, but we aren't taking one. We'll be back next week to recap the Super Bowl. Maybe we'll be talking about a Tampa Bay Buccaneer winning NFL MVP. Maybe we'll be talking about another Buccaneer entering the NFL Hall of Fame. Maybe there'll be more news to talk about regarding Tom Brady. Who knows? And we will recap 
the big game in the Super Bowl and really start looking ahead to the offseason. Until then, enjoy the Super Bowl. He is Len Martez. Follow him on Twitter at Elmar810. I am Trey Downey. Follow me on Twitter at TV Experience. Check out BucksNation.com on a daily basis. All of our great writers are doing a ton of great stuff there. And follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. Until next week, this has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast. Acknowledge me.